May 25, 2003, Salt Lake City, Utah. 18-month-old Asasia Bishop was visiting with her great-grandmother on Memorial Day weekend. Also visiting on this day was Asasia's grandmother, Kelly Lodmill. Despite only being left together for minutes, Asasia and her grandmother went missing, reappearing in Idaho Falls, Idaho, where Lodmill would be seen running into a power plant, claiming Asasia had fallen into the river and drowned. Investigators would determine what actually happened was a failed murder-suicide attempt, but the family maintains Lodmill would never deliberately harm Asasia, and instead the drowning is a fabricated story. They believe Asasia was handed over to another person to raise. Unfortunately, no sign of Asasia has ever been reported to this day. This is Asasia's story. Asasia Patience Bishop was born October 29, 2001. She would not only be the couple's first child, but the first baby in the family. Everyone was obsessed with the little girl. And when I say she was adorable, if you look up the definition of cherub in the dictionary, it should have a picture of Asasia. She was a deliciously chubby little girl with these gorgeous massive blue eyes and a tuft of beautiful blonde hair. Asasia would become your normal happy active toddler. By 18 months old, her father Adam would describe her as spirited and smart. She was not only walking but running. She was beginning to learn how to talk. She loved going to her great-grandmother Linda Lodmill's farm. She would chase after the animals and had learnt to say duck and bird. She also loved doing something that I wish my children still loved to do, and that was cleaning. She loved to grab the vacuum cleaner or the duster and help with the household chores. Unfortunately, though, her parents and her great-grandmother would be robbed of years and decades of happy memories. They could never know their happy little love bubble with Asasia was about to come to an abrupt halt. Everything was not perfect, though. Casey's mother, Asasia's maternal grandmother, 38-year-old Kelly Jean Lodmill. Casey and Lodmill no longer had a relationship. Casey would cut Lodmill out of her life during her teenage years. Lodmill not only suffered from mental illness, she was diagnosed with schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. Now that in itself isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think I've said this in previous episodes, but someone with schizophrenia and bipolar, they can live stable and fulfilling lives, if they take their medication. If. And that was one of the main problems here. You see, Kelly Lodmill was homeless and unemployed, and she relied on social security checks to survive. But because of a change in government funding, she did not have easy access to her medication so she only took her medication when she could afford to pay for it. Therefore, it was a constant cycle of Lodmill trying to maintain her grip on normality. And not only that, Lodmill was also abusing alcohol and illegal substances. Because of all of this, Kelly Lodmill was known to police. And by May 2003, when this story takes place, Lodmill had a substantial criminal history. Most were minor misdemeanours, such as drunk driving and disorderly conduct. But then things escalated to more violent crimes as Lodmill's bouts of psychosis increased. 
in one incident mentioned on the Vanished podcast. And if you want a more in-depth psychological insight on this case, I strongly recommend you listen to that podcast. I will put the link in the show notes. But according to the Vanished podcast, in one incident, Lord Mill would be out shooting cans with a pellet gun with a friend when she mentioned it would be fun to shoot at the children who were playing nearby. This was all too much for the friend who then left. But Lord Mill would follow through with her plan and she shot a girl with the pellet gun in the leg. Police would be called, but Lord Mill resisted arrest and threatened to shoot police with the gun as well. She would be charged with threats with a weapon and aggravated assault, for which she served 60 days in jail. When Casey got pregnant, she was faced with a dilemma. It would be Kelly Lodmill's first grandchild. Her husband, Adam, encouraged his wife to resolve her problems with her mother and reconcile with her to have her part of their daughter's life. So while Casey wanted nothing to do with Lodmill, she would play nice and have her visit and bond with Asasia. And at first, everything went well. But soon, Lodmill's love became a real obsession. She would think Asasia was her own child. When Lodmill came for a visit, she would become possessive over the baby and wouldn't let anyone else interact with her. However, Casey and Adam wanted her to be part of Asasia's life and they persevered. They even allowed Lodmill to babysit Asasia on one occasion while they had a date night. However, when they returned to pick up their baby, Lodmill told the couple that she was gone that she had killed her and they were never going to see her again. Panicked, Casey and Adam didn't know what to do. It would only be when they threatened to call the police about 30 minutes later that Lord Mill admitted that she had hidden Asasia in a vacant apartment below theirs. That was beyond the final straw for Casey. And while she didn't want Lord Mill not to be a part of Asasia's life, she never wanted to see her mother again. And she put her foot down that Lord Mill would only be allowed supervised visitation. It was decided the perfect visitation supervisor would be Lord Mill's mother and Asasia's great grandmother, Linda Lord Mill. Kelly had taken the baby, and I asked my husband, I says, Where, Where's Asasia? Do you have her in here? Which was the living room. He says, No. And I says, Oh, no, Kelly took the baby. But nearly 12 hours go by before there's an Amber Alert. The car belongs to Kelly Lodmel, baby Asasia's grandmother. The 18-month-old was staying at the home of her great-grandmother, Linda Lodmel, who lives in Murray. Also in the home was Kelly Lodmel, Linda's daughter, and baby Asasia's grandmother. To this day, the delay in the Amber Alert remains a sore spot with the family. Took it off the radio, TV, just said it was a family dispute. Sunday, May 25th, 2003, Murray, Salt Lake City, Utah. Memorial Day weekend would be one such supervised visit. Casey and Adam had to attend a wedding rehearsal out of town, so Asasia was spending some quality time with Linda. Asasia was her happiest when playing and running around after the ducks, helping her great-grandmother clean her home. And Linda was more than content doting over little Asasia. Lodmill was staying nearby, and Casey agreed for her to visit with Asasia on this day. Everything seemed to be going well, until 6pm, when Linda left the room briefly to put the vacuum cleaner away. 
She would later state that she would have only left Lord Mill with a sacia for less than five minutes. When she returned, she couldn't find Lord Mill or a sacia. Linda tried to remain calm. Maybe her husband had fetched a sacia to read her a story or help prepare her dinner. But he hadn't seen her either. Linda felt her heart hit her stomach, and in that moment she realised Kelly Lord Mill had taken a sacia, and she called 911. Now, unfortunately, the police did not want to initially get involved. In their opinion, this was a family matter to be handled within the family or in family court. Because of this, an Amber Alert would not be issued for 12 hours, not until early the next day, the Monday. Only the second Amber Alert ever to be issued in Salt Lake City. Now, just as mind-blowing is that this Amber Alert would be cancelled by that evening, without anyone knowing where Lord Mill and Asacia were. Regardless, by the time the Amber Alert was issued, Lord Mill was able to place Asacia in her beige or cream four-door sedan and drive over 200 miles to Idaho Falls, Idaho. The sad thing is for Asacia's parents, if police took the missing persons report seriously right from the get-go, it is very likely that Lord Mill would have been stopped before she left the state. And what is to come most likely never would have happened. And Asacia would have grown up in a loving, supportive and safe household with both of her parents. But they didn't. And Asacia would never be held or cuddled or loved upon by Casey and Adam ever again. At some stage, Lodnell withdrew her social security check of $700 from her bank account, money that has never been accounted for. She would then check in with Asacia on May 26th at a Red Lion Hotel. Now, there has been some controversy already at this point, an important difference between what the eyewitnesses would later report and what the police believe happened. Both the hotel clerk and the receptionist would later claim there was a man with Lodnell and Asacia, that something seemed off about the pair. According to the Charlie Project, the man was described as being in his late 40s or early 50s, with rough, weathered, tanned skin, greying sun-bleached hair, hazel eyes, large hands with carrot-shaped fingers, which to me, that gives a visual of someone with painful arthritis. He was about 5 foot 6, of small build, and smoked Basics brand cigarettes. Now, right off the bat, police would very early on declare that they don't believe this man exists. Or if he does, he was just someone in the vicinity of Lord Mill and Asacia, and not directly involved in the toddler's disappearance. However, Asacia's family does not agree, and Adam would arrange for a sketch artist to prepare a composite based on the eyewitnesses' descriptions. We will post this sketch in the Facebook group. Honestly, I am torn with this. Why would the hotel clerk and receptionist deem this to be important? They are adamant that this man was with Lord Mill and Asacia, even being the one to check them out. But on the other hand, we all know how unreliable eyewitness reports can be. And maybe he was just someone else staying at the hotel. Maybe he was there on a different day. I even saw a comment on an online true crime and unsolved mysteries forum that theorised the composite looked like Lord Mill in a disguise, and I do see the resemblance. It's very difficult to favour either story, especially given how narrow-minded the police were in their investigation. They only really considered one theory. Quote, 
our detectives have looked into that possibility and have exhausted all the leads on that possibility, but they haven't found anything that convinces them that there was a third person. Unquote. But I am getting ahead of myself here. Regardless, the police completely disregarded this sighting or person being involved right from the get-go. At some point during their stay at the Red Lion Hotel, Lord Mill would ask reception where to buy diapers and milk from. Something that Adam and Casey would later mention does not make sense if Lord Mill planned on killing Asasia shortly after. Now, it's also important to state, besides the $700 being missing, also missing in Lord Mill's possession, besides Asasia, with the diapers and the milk. And it was reported the packet of diapers she bought was a large packet, and not something an 18-month-old would go through in a couple of days. Later that day, someone spots Kelly and baby Asasia sitting by a hydroelectric plant along the Snake River, but the witness didn't know who they were. It hit me that maybe I was the last person to make eye contact and, and give a little loving gesture to the girl. We have information and reason to believe that she intentionally jumped into the river in an attempt to commit suicide and to kill the baby as well. Kelly Lodmel, who family members say has a history of mental illness, is pulled out of the river, but there's no sign of baby Asatia. She says she threw the baby in the, in the Snake River. This is what the police were telling us, because she wanted an angel. You know, that didn't make sense. The next reported sighting of Lodmel and Asatia would be on the afternoon of May 28, 2003. Lodmill would take Asasia to the Snake River in Idaho Falls. It was Memorial Day, so there were lots of families and couples enjoying the warm spring weather. Eyewitnesses would place the pair near the Broadway overpass. Others would see them on the banks of the water. At no point would anyone report seeing Lodmill and Asasia going into or being in the water. She ran into the neighbouring hydroelectric power plant and told employees there had been an accident, that her granddaughter had fallen into the Snake River when they were sitting on the bridge and dangling their feet over the edge. Unfortunately, Asasia Bishop would never be seen again, and her fate is up for debate almost 20 years later. The power plant took Lodmill's claims seriously. They would immediately shut down operations to ensure there was no chance Asasia would be sucked into the turbines. Police would be called to the scene and would arrive within minutes. Kelly Lordnell would be taken into custody and questioned at length. However, her story would change several times in the first few days of the investigation. She would initially tell police this was a failed murder-suicide attempt that she carried 18-month-old Asasia into the water in her arms and held her under the water for a time before letting her go. She then lost her nerve and got out of the water to seek help for her granddaughter. This would be the version of events police believe is what happened to this day. But she would quickly change this story to it was a warm day and she thought she would take Asasia into the shallows to play in the water. But they went deeper and Lodmill lost her grip and Asasia was washed away in the current. And she was gone before Lodmill knew what was happening. But then Lodmill's understanding of reality and what was even possible dissipated. She then claimed she saw Asasia swim back to the banks, get out of the water and run away, completely unharmed. 
unfortunately for police, and understanding how all this could have happened. This would not be Lord Mill's last version of what happened that day, but we will get to that. Back to the search for Asasia. Given either version of events, there would have been obviously some urgency to locate the toddler. Divers spent four days searching the Snake River, and this was by no means an easy task. For one, the Snake River is massive. It's a whopping 1,078 miles long and between 60 to 70 feet deep. The Snake River flows into the Columbia River before employing into the Pacific Ocean. Experts would later state the likelihood of Asasia going into the river and never being found was very possible. However, others believe it's not a chance that the greats would have stopped her body leaving the area. Despite this, divers had a challenge in front of them. The waters of the Snake River are notoriously murky and visibility was poor. The water was so dirty from the debris that divers had to rely on touch to search the bottom with their hands and feet. They also used sonar devices, but all they found was a pacifier, baby shoes, a doll and two stockings. One of Lodmill's shoes was found on the banks of the river, the other close by in the river itself. Before the search was completed, Idaho Falls Police Sergeant Steve Hunt was quoted as saying, We can't say positively that the baby went into the water, though that's what the grandmother said originally. Unquote. Interestingly, less than four days later, he seemed to have a complete 180-degree change of mind. Quote, the evidence we have is Kelly jumped into the water with Asasia, and Kelly swam out and Asasia stayed in. Unquote. While police scoured the Snake River and its surroundings with their search dogs for Asasia, her family desperately expended the search into the nearby neighbourhood and passed out missing persons posters. Shortly after her daughter was taken into custody, Linda paid her a visit in jail. The only time anyone from the family would ever visit Lodmill whilst incarcerated. Linda would tell the media that she begged Lodmill to tell her what she had done with Asasia. But Lodmill would either refuse to answer the question or simply say the baby was in good hands. Now, whether Lodmill was referring to another family or a friend of hers, or she was referring to God in heaven, we don't know. And we still don't have anything close to an answer 19 years later. October 2003, Asasia's family held a party for her on what would have been her second birthday, releasing a red balloon, her favourite colour, for every day she had been missing. Asasia's parents, Adam and Casey, took this opportunity to announce a $50,000 reward was now on offer for any information leading to the discovery of Asasia's whereabouts. Throughout the first year of the search for Asasia, her parents would frequently hold candlelight vigils along the banks of the Snake River to keep her name and face in the public's memory. One evening in late 2003, Adam made an emotional plea to help bring their Asasia home. Quote, This angel, this angel deserves us to find her. She deserves not to be alone, and she deserves to be with her family. Unquote. Casey and Adam would remain in Idaho Falls for a year, desperately searching for their daughter, before returning to Utah without answers. 
They would tell the media they desperately wanted their lives to return to as normal as they could and didn't want to be under the constant scrutiny that comes with being the parents of a missing child. The next time they would agree to media interviews would be in 2007, when they returned to Idaho Falls. They passed out over 200 flies with an age-progressed photo of Asasia to schools in the area. It was their belief that's where their daughter was and would be now of school age. She would be five or six years old and in kindergarten. They believed then and still to this day that Lodmill gave Asasia to someone else to raise that Lodmill was never suicidal before and never indicated any serious desire to hurt their baby. Quite the opposite. She was obsessed with Asasia and wanted her all to herself. And Lodmill would entertain this theory according to Adam and Casey. Lodmill allegedly wrote to the family a letter stating that Asasia was still alive and being cared for by others and that she would be reunited with Asasia following her release from prison. She never referred to Asasia in the past tense in her letters. According to Asasia's parents, they believe in their heart of hearts that Lodnil drove Asasia specifically to Idaho Falls to meet up with an unknown man and pass off the toddler to him. That this best explains what happened to the missing $700. That she gave him the money to take care of Asasia because it didn't make sense for Lodmill to travel 200 miles if she wanted to kill Asasia, when she could have easily done so in Utah, close to home, in an area she was more familiar with. And that if Asasia had actually ended up in the water of the Snake River, the greats should have prevented her from travelling from the water close to the plant, and this was where Asasia was last seen with Lodmill. The greats would or should have stopped the body travelling to the main part of the river, which, as I said earlier, describing the river as massive is an understatement. Said Adam, quote, There's too many possibilities of other people being involved that you just can't turn your eyes from it. Unquote. Adam told The Vanish podcast that he investigated the possibility that Asasia was trafficked, that this explained the strange unidentified man saw with a pair at the hotel just before Asasia disappeared. Idaho Falls is right on the I-40 corridor, which is infamous for being the gateway for human trafficking. Lord Mill may not have deliberately meant to have put Asasia in harm's way by giving her to human traffickers, but giving Lord Mill's unstable and vulnerable mental health, maybe she was tricked into handing the toddler over to them. However, the investigators have looked into this, and they believe there is no evidence this is what happened to Asasia. Police have investigated the theory that Asasia could still be alive, passed off and living with someone else. But unfortunately, there was and is nothing that supports this being the case. The police believed and have only ever believed that Lodnor murdered Asasia that day in the Snake River. And unfortunately, I have to agree. Lodmill was known to have schizophrenia and bipolar, plus she abused substances. This makes her very unpredictable. Her own family have said that she was dangerous when she was off her medication, which we know she was at the time of Asasia's disappearance. So she may have bought the milk and the diapers and travelled to Idaho, and she may have thought she was saving Asasia. But then something or someone she thought told her that the best course of action was to kill Asasia because she wanted her to become an angel, 
and that's what caused her to throw the baby into the Snake River. This is just a hypothetical situation and my own opinion, but it is the probable outcome here. And experts have come out and said that it was very possible, if not likely, that someone as small as Asasia could go into the Snake River and never be recovered. It is a horrible outcome, but to me, nothing else makes sense. January 2005. Kelly Jean Lodmill was tried for kidnapping in the federal court. Throughout the trial, the prosecution brought forward expert witnesses who testified that Lord Mill did well at school, but she struggled when it came to socialising with her peers, which resulted in her being a loner. She had a strained relationship with her mother, Linda, and her father was an alcoholic and schizophrenic. All Lord Mill had were her brothers to keep her from being completely isolated. But then, unfortunately, they both passed away in a very short time period. Lord Mill took this hard, but it was around this time that Lord Mill also had a baby. But because of her mental instability, Linda would take custody of this child. A medical evaluation noted that she was never able to overcome these traumas. The report also stated that Lord Mill was sexually abused by a family member during her adolescence. When time came for sentencing, it was no surprise when the determination was handed down. It was determined that Lord Mill would be acquitted of the charges due to the belief she was legally insane at the time of the crime. US District Judge Dale Kimball stated he believed that while Lord Mill knew her actions were wrong, she was delusional when abducting Asensia, that she was convinced the toddler was being abused at home, and it was her responsibility to be her saviour. Lord Mill would be sentenced to an indefinite period in a Texan mental health facility and ordered to undergo treatment for her schizophrenia. It is important to state, though, that even though Lord Mill was acquitted of the federal charges, she still might face state charges if she is ever released from hospital. When speaking of her sentence, Bonneville County Prosecutor Dane Watkins Jr. would tell the media, quote, "'It's not necessarily for life,' but could potentially be. We're confident that the record in this case will support a commitment for a substantial length of time, unquote. And Kelly Lodmill does remain in a psychiatric hold in a Texan medical facility until this very day. The last update came in 2017, when the last medical evaluation was filed with the court. Unfortunately, we are not privy to what was determined as the results are sealed. But her attorney, Fred Metos, did confirm that nothing has changed. Quote, She is clearly having command verbal hallucinations. And my experience in dealing with these people that they are mentally ill. Those are the people that present the greatest danger. They think they've got someone telling them what to do. Unquote. Lord Mill may still be released from the facility at a later date if psychiatrists determine she is no longer a risk to herself and to society. But her prognosis is poor. Lord Mill has reportedly repeatedly refused to follow through and cooperate with treatment programs for her schizophrenia, and she does not believe she is mentally ill. It is the belief of everyone involved in the case that she is unlikely to ever be released. At the time of her disappearance, Asasia was one day shy of turning 19 months old. She was 2 foot 6 and 35 pounds with blonde hair and blue eyes. Her ears were pierced 
and she had a birthmark on the left side of her abdomen, about the size of a tennis ball. She was last seen wearing a pink sundress, with either sunflowers or daisies on it. It is reported as both. If Asasia is still alive today, she would be almost 21 years old. If you have any information regarding the disappearance of Asasia Bishop, please contact the Salt Lake City County Sheriff's Office on 801 743 7000. If you have your own thoughts and theories on the case we discussed today, or any case we talk about on Stolen Lives, please search Stolen Lives on Facebook. Like the page so you don't miss an episode and join the discussion group to talk about your thoughts and theories. You can also talk to us on Twitter, search lives underscore stolen, or on Instagram, Stolen Lives Podcast. If you like what you heard today, we would appreciate it if you share this episode on your social media of choice and subscribe and leave a positive review on your podcast app. Today's episode was researched and written by me, Ali. Hosting and production was also by me, Ali. Music is by Mayu. Mayu.